Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Welcome to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. With me today I have my dad, Joel Saint, and John Bingaman. Uh, Dad is the executive director of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. John and I are both uh, members of the board of directors of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. Today we are going to be taking a look, a critical look, at uh, The Bounds of Love by uh, Joel McDermott, an introduction to God's law of liberty. Now, we don't want to necessarily critique the whole book. We just kind of, we want to talk about what's been set in Facebook and all that kind of stuff uh, on fire with the conversation of this idea of the Karen principle. And John, you, you, you mentioned that earlier that you thought it was a novel concept. This actually might be Joel McDermott's idea. I'm not sure if he came up with it by himself or if he got it from somewhere else. But let me first uh, explain to our listeners what we mean uh, by the Karen principle. In Joel McDermott's book, uh, in the chapter, Where to Draw the Lines, he has a heading, The Karam Principle, and he explains it this way. The principle of Karam is perhaps the most significant aspect of discontinuity for our discussion. It is here precisely where general statements about continuity lead to many raised eyebrows. Do you mean all those pe- death penalties would be brought back for blasphemy, for apostasy, for idolatry, uh, idolatry, and for adultery? Ironically, even our best past authors have provided little direct discussion of modern application of these penalties, so this section of this book may be, in fact... Uh, its most important contribution. Karam means uh, devoted in the sense of devoted wholly unto the Lord. In the instances most relevant to our discussion, it means specific, especially devoted uh, to destruction. Now he says here, uh, the civil penalties based upon the Karam principle must be considered in this light as well. So what he's arguing is that the first table offenses, uh, commandments one through five, are first table offenses, and he's saying that since as Christ has died on the cross, the ability for the civil government to, or for the people to bring, uh, to punish first table offenses judicially is gone away. They cannot be punished judicially. You can't bring uh, stone somebody for idolatry. You can't stone somebody for taking the Lord's name in vain. You can't stone somebody for breaking the Sabbath. He's saying that those uh the judicial aspect of those uh, sins has been fulfilled or has been done away with. Uh, and I think he's arguing that they were shadow and not light. Uh, so that's the Karen principle. Uh, and the conclusion uh, that he draws here at the end of his chapter, it says, in each case, ask yourself, does this law or part of it pertain to the old temple rites, calendar, priesthood, sacrifices, etc.? Does this law pertain to the old land boundaries? Does it pertain to the bloodline separations or seed laws? Does it pertain to any of those uh, aspects of the old covenant administration that the New Testament demonstrates j- change with Jesus? Does it pertain to first table offenses, spe- special devotion to destruction or stoning penalties? If so, that law or part of a law is vanished away. And with that, he argues, um, Joel McDermott argues that um, um men sodomizing each other is no longer a capital offense. But we're going to be taking a look at that uh, that principle and discussing it chiefly. And there's a couple other things I wanted to uh, take a look at in, in the book. So, Dad, uh, we'll start off with you. Uh, your thoughts specific, uh, on the bounds of love, but uh, specifically uh, on the Karen principle. Yeah, there's an awful lot to uh, be grateful about this book. 
um, which I which which I trust we'll get to a, a little bit later. Um, in his chapter on the Karam principle, which is again, as you said, Luke, that is where the controversy is, shall we say, flying around. Uh, basically, what, as I understand, he does is says basically that the first table offenses are not punishable by the state. That that is not necessarily a novel idea. Um, that's been around for a while. What I see is novel as certain types of what we would have called second table offenses he manages to get into the first table, which does surprise me a little bit. For example, um, he believes that there should be no civil penalty, as I understand him, no, no, no shall I say, biblical sanctioned, biblically sanctioned civil penalty for adultery. Now, he manages to get that in the first table, whereas the second table, like one of them is, uh, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery. And so in order to say, and, and then, of course, he's got sodomy in there as well, um, as a first table offense, which is, of course, a sexual sin, which, we, which I would have thought before was a second table sin. Mm-hmm. And what he manages to do then is say, okay, since, since the, we're, we're no, under, uh, not, no longer under old covenant Israel, if you will, uh, the idea of stoning, for example, was to be a picture of Christ crushing the head of the serpent. Mm-hmm. And we no longer employ that type of punishment, which, you know, I'd be, I'd be a lot happier if we had something even remotely specific to that uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I don't see. I mean, I, I, I get the idea of it. I just, I just don't see it. Right. But what I see is the larger, shall I say, challenge here is how in the world you get adultery as a first table offense and therefore not punishable by the state mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just don't see how how you do that yeah and he said he's got it tied to the land and, and, and so forth um, you, you know the, God was establishing Israel in the land and they were supposed to defend themselves and so forth I don't know I mean uh, if, if Jonah goes to Nineveh um, and Nineveh turns to Christ as they did for a hundred years through two kings apparently you know what were they supposed to do with adulterers? Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing, uh, since they weren't in the land, right? Uh, and, and, and so I, I and, and and a concern of mine is this uh, on blasphemy. Let me read from page sixty-one here, and this is where this this concerns me even I guess just as much. Uh, I, I, I'm concerned that in the name of theonomy, we have gone back to autonomy. Mm-hmm. Here, here's here's how. Um, he says, thus, even the word kerem is not included in the Old Testament passage. The presence of stoning as a punishment makes clear that the principle is in effect. So we have the same principle, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Kerem and stoning penalties were res- reserved only for first table offenses. Mm. Civil government no longer has jurisdiction over first table offenses. Thus, punishments as regular, as regular mandatory punishments are no longer in effect. Okay. Key statement there, or key key um, words, regular mandatory punishments are no longer in effect. Now listen to this. Only in extreme or aggravated cases in which blasphemy or false worship aims to lead to revolution, sedition, terrorism, or treason would civil government intervention be appropriate. Treason? Yes. Yeah, so, so what? So we we've. It seems like we've closed the door, but we've we, we've. We've closed the door to the letter, if you will, mm-hmm. and we've opened it to interpretation by the state. Okay. Who in the world gets to be the person to say that 
my um, blasphemy is aimed to lead to rev- rev- yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds like a lawyer's paradise. Yeah, it's true. Uh, this could, this could be in, in, in court for years. That's true. You aim to do? Oh no, I didn't aim to. I, I just I just don't believe those idiot Christians right. and their and, and their God. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll let you off then. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, if somebody you know reads uh, a blasphemous poem mm-hmm. of which we have many, and then throws a rock through somebody else's window mm-hmm. as a result of reading that poem, or right. somebody could say that it was a result of that. Right. You know now. Now do we punish and what punishment? I, so, so my, I, I, I think I, I, I welcome the, the the discussion and I welcome the um, uh, the the applic the, the attempted application, if you will. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that we solved anything here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds at first like we said, oh no, we don't have to worry about these uh, first, you know, about stoning all because yeah. because they call us the Taliban and so forth. Mm-hmm. I just don't see what what has been solved here. Right. Okay. Uh, now, John, you've been through the book twice, but you've been reading the Karim chapter a couple times through. Yeah. Now, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree with Joel that... Uh, uh, which Joel are we talking I'm about? I'm sorry. Here? I agree. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I agree with your dad Okay. <clears throat> that uh, I'm very happy uh, that Joel McDermott opened up this discussion. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of the things that... Uh, that we in the reconstruction movement have got to deal with mm-hmm. because it's what everybody mm-hmm. takes us to task for. Oh, you want these, you want all these old Testament, old Testament punishments. Yeah. Um, we, and I think we have to be careful with Joel's analysis. I don't think it, he has so much changed the proscriptions, the things that are prohibited as he has changed the prescriptions for the consequences mm-hmm. to those right. proscriptions, yes, um, it, there's where there's where the the crux of the Karam principle comes into play. Okay, um, it, it's interesting to me your, that your dad picked up on that uh, page sixty one thing because it, it's also uh, <clears throat> on page sixty five of sixty six of the book, uh, right at the bottom of of sixty. I'm sorry. Yeah, 65. It says covenantal death from the church would also apply, namely excommunication. Mm -hmm. Then he goes on to say, I do not see why local civil governments would not be warranted to punish flagrant cases with a loss of citizenship or banishment. So these things, again, uh, they're... There's no discussion then. Yeah. We've, we've spent a whole chapter talking about what we can't do and then said, well, but there are probably some exceptions. Mm-hmm. What are the exceptions? Yeah. And, and when do they apply? The, the, big, <clears throat> the, the big problem for me ends up being that in Reconstruction, theonomy, we're always talking about government. Mm-hmm. We, we govern ourselves, yes. we govern our families, mm-hmm. we govern the church, we govern the civil government. Mm-hmm. And all these things are, fall under God's law. Mm-hmm. And here we're saying that the church is supposed to punish these carom offenses, mm-hmm. but not the civil government. Okay. The family is not to engage in them. The individual, or the family is not to sanction them, and the, fa- and the individual is not to engage in these mm-hmm. things. But the civil government is just... Out of the picture now. Right. And so what we've done is we've taken the government, which is uh, charged with punishing offenses in the law. Right. <clears throat> we, we take them out of the picture on these Karam principles mm-hmm. and thus invite God's judgment on 
the nation mm-hmm. or on the government or on the 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 because God, we're, we also say we're very fond of saying that God will judge the nations. Mm-hmm. All right, we agree with that. We we all believe that. But what will He judge them for? And He will judge them for not enforcing His law. That's right. Which, and, and and what we're, now what we're saying is they're not allowed to. There's a huge disconnect for mm-hmm. me in that. And, and f- so for me, it's not so much a matter of Joel is, is changing the law. That is, Joel McDermott mm-hmm. is changing the law. He's saying, no, these things are wrong. They're sins. Right. <clears throat> They're unlawful. But what he's saying is we're not allowed to punish them. Yes. And, and he's taking the punishment, any physical punishment, corpor- uh, corporal punishment, here in, in, the, in here and now, and moving it to the by and by. Right. And I... I'm, just, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know how to reconcile that with what I understand of biblical law. Right. I, what I did. What my my question is, you know, uh, going back to what you're saying about how you know he's not saying it's this this they're not sins anymore. He's just changed. He's saying that the way we deal with them is different. We we or many of them anyway. He still keeps the eye for eye for two for tooth principle mm-hmm. in uh, like theft and all that kind of stuff. And he talks about that in the chapter, where, you know, what what would theonomy look like in in society? Um, why? My question is: there are some serious scriptures out there in the New Testament that seem to still apply the Karen principle for for punishment, you know. And uh, you know, he doesn't address First Timothy one eight through twelve. You know, it says um, the law is good if it, if it's used lawfully. lawfully. Why doesn't he bring that in here? You know, because I, and, and I don't think he wants. I, I, when we were at the Future of Christendom conference, I asked him about that. I was like, "What, what do you think about this verse?" And he said, "You know, I, I, I forget the point that he brought up, um, I, and I wish he was here to, to, to say it to me again. And frankly, I wish he was here just to discuss this with us, and, and maybe we could get some more clarification because there, there, I mean, that that not not just that passage, but the Romans one passage uh, that says." Um, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, and inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. What righteous decree is that? You know what, what's what's he talking about? Me, me being a Jew, reading this, uh, I'm I'm gonna go right back to the law and be like, oh yeah, I know exactly which one that whoever if if two men are found sleeping together, mm-hmm. th- you know that deserve, they deserve to die. Deserve to die by at whose hand? Right, that, that's true. I mean, I mean, it's true that God could just kill them like uh, like he did. What was it, Onan? Um, yeah, uh, Judah's son there. Yes, Aaron Onan. Yes, yeah. uh, he he could he could just do it. But he also says that if you find someone, you know, and, and the first Timothy passage that says that, you know, men who practice homosexuality, the law is good if it's used lawfully. And here's Joel McDermott saying, actually, no, it's not, because we can't use it lawfully anymore. The, the law's own prescription that says you should stone men who sleep with, the, uh, who have, you know, uh, sodomize each other. He's saying, no, actually, I got a better idea, you know, and, and, and to me, that sounds like a, a, a little bit like 
becoming a law unto yourself. And, and that verse cannot be true if what Joel McDermott is saying in his book. Yeah, my concern here is, is exactly that. Um, again, I, 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 welcome the, I welcome the discussion. But have we just moved the goalpost? Now, here's the thing. Uh, and he's got a good uh, section, I think, early on about what theonomy is. And I, I really like his uh, section there at the end. A, a very brief history of theonomy, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, from uh, Luther and, and, and Aquinas and so forth. Uh, Constantine, a, a little bit there, and some of the Roman emperors and how they treated Christians and so forth. Yeah. And how uh, Constantine, he feels, um, was a statist as he also, um, you know, flays uh, Samuel Rutherford uh, a little bit as well. So that, that that discussion to me is, is is good. I wish we had in this in this book a a biblical response to your basic adulterer. Mm -hmm. We do, we don't have it. We say, well, they get thrown out of the church. Okay, well, um, he certainly talks in the in the book of, against against established uh, against an established church. Mm -hmm. He certainly speaks uh, strongly against forcing someone to be a member of the church. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so okay, so someone gets thrown out of the church if, uh, for for adultery. Okay, I get that. Mm -hmm. The state has no responsibility whatsoever. Uh, this, uh, apparently not. Um, and, and I, I know that he might say, well, no, I, I said that the, the, the state can still impose sanctions. But what sanctions? Right. And based on, based on what law? Right. That's what I find missing in the book. Mm -hmm. Totally missing. Now, I, I want to I give him a little break here. Hey, look, uh, you know, it's just an introduction. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, he does a good job, I think, of giving himself a uh, kind of a nice get-out-of-jail-free card here in the beginning. He's got this uh, comment from N.T. Wright, if I can even find it. Um, here in the, towards the beginning of the book, which of course I can't find uh, when I want it. Um, but then basically saying N.T. Wright will say, you know, if you, if, if you write a uh, book and you don't address something, then people will say you deliberately missed it. Oh, right, yeah. And, 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 and take you to task for that. Mm -hmm. And of course, Joel McDermott is saying, hey, I can't, I can't cover everything. Right. What I would, by asking the question, He's, he's done some decent jobs at asking the questions here. But when you ask the question, um, at some point you have to answer it. And uh, otherwise you're Rob Bell, Mr. Mr. Questionmeister. Okay, Joel McDermott is no Rob Bell. I right, get it. Right. But Rob Bell, that's his... Uh, <laughs> not fair. Yeah, that's a not fair comparison. Straw man burning. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 thing, the thing is, is that um, you know, there are those that say, well, we just need to ask the questions. Well, um, the Bible does not just ask the questions. It, it, it gives us answers as well. Again, though, see, I, I, I have trouble critiquing it like this because I'm so thankful that, that Joel waded into this area sort of where angels fear to tread, mm. where people just don't want to go into it. And he went right into it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, I have this uh, ambivalent, uh, almost a double-minded approach to it. Thanks, Joel, for opening it up. Uh, Joel, where, where, okay, where well, are you taking us? Where's okay, your answers so, here? So, so my question is, do, do you personally believe that we should be stoning for first table offenses? Uh, no question about it in my mind. I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you why. Um, if, if Christians don't um, punish for blasphemy, let's say, let's say blasphemy, mm -hmm. we are the only people in the world not to do so. Mm-hmm. And the reason, of course, and Russ Juni has point, pointed this out, as has Gary North, is that um, w when you attack the very basis of society, 
and, and that's what a blasphemy law is. Mm-hmm. A blasphemy law is a, um, a, a law that says you cannot verbally attack the cohesiveness or the basis for this society. In our case, it's an attack on our king, mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, name me anywhere, any place, a society that doesn't punish for blasphemy. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about capital offenses. I'll give you an example right now. Right now, if I went to certain places in this country right mm-hmm. now, yeah. and I publicly cursed, say, Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And I was up there, and I, 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 uh, I don't know, let's say I had my Confederate flag flying, mm-hmm. okay? And I began publicly in certain areas of this country to curse Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. okay? And I got killed for it. Okay. I promise you that those who put me to death would get off mm-hmm. because I am guilty publicly of the crime of blasphemy. Right. You do not blaspheme the icons of a society. You, you just don't do it. It's, mm-hmm. it's punishable by, by, I would even, by death. I would even say, too, that if you go to a certain area and you drop the N-word, that's like their... Sure. You can't even... You and, can't, and you got killed for it? Right, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Whoever killed you would get off. Right, and, and you can't even say... I promise you that. You can't even say it in casual conversation. Like, oh yeah, he called him... A, and, and not use it. You can't even use the word neutrally. That that word is holy and sacred to the politically correct crowd. You can't right. even you can't even use it in casual conversation. Yeah, and, he, and here's where Rush Dooney is, is correct, and, and North on this point as well, because they've said, look, we've you can curse the name of Christ mm-hmm. uh, quite publicly, and no one has a problem with that. All right. we've really done is, we, is we've changed our God. Mm-hmm. Now somebody say, "Hey Joel, you know blasphemy. You want to?" Well, here's the thing. I mean, uh, under the blue laws, blasphemy was a crime punishable by death. Mm-hmm. Now here's the question: I, I had was everybody trying to get out of New England with these horrible? We need to ask this question: these horrible dra- draconian laws, blue laws, some of which I disagree with Sabbath, for example, but they were attempting to line their laws up with the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yes, even Moses and, frankly, Genesis through Revelation. Right. And what we find is we, we, we find we don't see people, like, running out of there and say, oh, let's let's head back to Mary, England, where we could blaspheme with impunity. We didn't right. have these horrible <laughs> uh, Sabbath laws and so forth. Let's, let's go to these other countries where we have all this freedom. No. Mm-hmm. There were people that came here during that time from these other areas, these other areas of, of the world that didn't have these laws. Mm-hmm. So, so why are we so worried about uh, these types of laws? Why, why do we run away as if everybody, I'm telling you, Luke, everybody believes in some sort of blasphemy law. Yeah. So why are we like running away from it like, like we're all embarrassed about it? Right. All, all we're really running away from is blasphemy laws against our king. Right. But we don't realize at the same time that we will embrace at some point somebody else's blasphemy law as we already have yeah, and i true. would argue with you that most christians that uh, are, are going to be in church tomorrow morning sunday mm-hmm. morning mm-hmm. would have a problem with uh, you, you with me doing saying what i uh, cursing martin luther king jr right. and have no problem whatsoever with with, with blaspheming christ none that's freedom of speech that that's that's true yeah, john your, your, your deal, thoughts john well i'd like to distill what joel just said about blasphemy is let's distill it to treason because that's what it is. That's true. Blasphemy laws, mm-hmm. although they're always in a religious context, people don't understand that our laws are always in a religious context. Yeah. The, all the laws of the United States are in a religious context. And while they might, uh, they might outlaw uh, cor- uh, capital punishment 
for murder or whatever, they're never going to outlaw capital punishment for treason. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Treason laws are blasphemy laws. Mm -hmm. You're blaspheming the the United States or right. or you know the People's Republic of whatever mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> California. Yeah. <laughs> the, that's that's what blasphemy laws are. They're mm -hmm. treason laws, and we just talked about these on pages sixty one and pages and page sixty five. You know, when Joel bring, brings it up, he he's talking about blasphemy. Mm -hmm. He's talking about treason, mm -hmm. but saying that there these things are mostly outside of civil government uh, reach mm -hmm. at this point. Right, but maybe not because there are, there are certainly circumstances, says he, where that they are appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you can't attack the foundations, which is what blasphemy is. Now, let's be clear. Blasphemy laws are for out loud proselytizing. Right, yeah. You are trying to bring people out of Christianity. Mm -hmm. What Joel uh, kind of bothered me, and in one place he said for merely leaving the, the faith. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I merely, was, merely. Yeah. I, but yeah. anyway, you are... Uh, Blasphemy laws are when you're actively trying to pull people out. It, there is no law, it, there's no punishment here for holding a different belief, mm -hmm. but you hold it to yourself. Right. And that's that, That's the deal. That's right. Um, so anyway, I, I, we, we need to be clear that we're not saying anybody, because in, in Muslim countries, for instance, mm -hmm. that's really not, yes. not, not nearly as clear. That, 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 that's absolutely true. I, I, I definitely believe that stoning for first table offenses is still applicable. Um, uh, even for people, it, it, even if someone says in a theonomic society, I'm an atheist, I, I don't think that's grounds for stoning. You know, I, I really don't. I, there is no, you can't, I mean, that's not blaspheming by saying I'm an atheist. You know, you have to, there has to be two or three witnesses of somebody actually blaspheming like in that, uh, what was that situation? Was that in Numbers or Leviticus when they caught that Egyptian guy, and they brought him out, and he was he was he was verbally blaspheming, and they had two or three witnesses, and they stoned him, you know. And when when you talk about the first table offenses, you know, someone says, "Well, I well I left the faith. Does that mean I should be stoned?" Like what you were saying earlier, John. No, no, absolutely not. You, you, that's not uh, a punishable uh, offense. If if you try to entice other people to come along with you. And try and get people away from Christianity. That's when it starts to. That's when it starts to get into like, okay, this is a, actually a punishable offense. What do you What do you think about though? If people were to say, "Oh my God," or you know, they say "JC" or something like that, do you think that's uh, punishable? I mean, I, I would say yes. I, I definitely would say yes. I mean, that's blaspheme right there. If you were to take the Lord's name in vain, I mean, if if you could have two or three witnesses and you could bring a charge of someone, yes, this person was actually doing it. I, I think that's a punishable offense. What, what I understand, getting back to what was done before in New England, Blue Law time, my understanding was the blasphemy had to be, uh, as I recall, went something like um, knowingly, so now you have to prove intent. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was hard to get a blasphemy connect, uh, conviction under, okay. under Blue Laws. It wasn't like somebody heard somebody say something, uh, and boy, that sounded like blasphemy. It was, right. it was like knowingly, it was like repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Uh, type language, as, as I recall. And I was looking uh, before I came here today to see if I could find the specific law. I wasn't able to do that. But um, to me, that sounds consistent with what I see in the rest of Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, 
and, and I'll, I'll talk about it this way. It's, it seems like now with our myriad laws on the books, you can be guilty of anything at any time, which gives tremendous power to the state mm-hmm. because you never know what you're guilty of. Right. It's like Franz Kafka. You know, it's like just by breathing, you're, you're probably doing something wrong. I, I see the Bible um, as, as opposite of that. There was a lot you could do. And when you were called up on a charge, it wasn't so easy to get a conviction. It was hard. But once you got the conviction, the penalty was such that you would be motivated never to do it again. Mm -hmm. I contrast that with like a a lot of our labor laws, for example. Um, The the Department of Labor sweeps in. I I saw this happen in a a grocery store in in which I worked. They sweep in. They start hitting you for all kinds of violations you didn't even know you were committing. Mm -hmm. Had no idea, Mm -hmm. right? You never admit guilt. They they basically uh, coerce you into saying... Uh, into paying money to get them off, you know, uh, out of your hair, if you will. Mm-hmm. You never admit guilt, and, and you move on. It's like the price of doing business. You get extorted by the Department of Labor, and uh, don't say anything bad about them, and they move on and go hassle someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I see that, as I understand the way that blue law was stated, I see that as consistent with the rest of, script, of Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get a conviction. Mm-hmm. Once you have it, the person is motivated, and in some cases, the death penalty prevented from ever doing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scriptures say, smite the, smite the scorner, and the simple will beware. Mm-hmm. You, you know, um, I don't think anyone can deny. In the workplace today, you hear, you hear Christ, uh, TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, if, you, if you have Netflix, <laughs> anything. You hear the name of Christ cursed again and again. Mm-hmm. Now, we've gotten away from blasphemy laws. We did have them at one time. The, the further it seems seems to me we get away from those laws, the more we're going to hear Christ's name blasphemed. Mm-hmm. And all all we can do as Christians, kind of like as I mentioned before, is sit back and say, well, I guess that's freedom of speech. Right. But again, these same Christians don't really believe in freedom of speech when it comes to certain other right. societal blasphemous options or titles mm-hmm. or moments. It's your point, uh Luke, about whether or not saying, uh, using the Lord's name in vain is a stonable offense. Uh, our friend uh, Paul Raymond often says that it, given this, the state of society today, we're going to take some lumps. That, that's one of the lumps that we're taking at the moment. Mm-hmm. People don't even realize that it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a simple example. Uh, my, the, the woman who cuts my wife's hair mm-hmm. uh, did that all the time. Right. Used the Lord's name in vain. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all the time. And she didn't even realize what was going on, what, right. what, that she was doing it. And when my, when, when my wife finally said something to her, uh, she said, well, what are you talking about? And, and Beth opened the Bible and, and, and pointed, pointed it out. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do it anymore. Ten Commandments, yeah. Right, so mm-hmm. the it's it, it's our job. It, we're hearing it because we are not insisting that we don't hear it. Mm-hmm. It's just part of the lumps that we're taking because we aren't we aren't teaching that uh, we aren't teaching that necessarily to our children. We aren't enforcing it ourselves in our workplaces mm-hmm. and around us. We aren't enforcing it by it's true. not renting the movies mm-hmm. by not renting the Netflix mm-hmm. that uses that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, it's up to us. 
I uh, I wanna I wanna give a plug for uh, <laughs> this is gonna sound weird, but I wanna give a plug for stoning. Uh, you know, in Deuteronomy <laughs> in Deuteronomy seventeen seven, uh, you know, because because he he seems to he, in his book here, getting back to the Karen principle, he, he's kind of saying, well, we don't need to stone anybody anymore. That was just the Karen principle that we just need to, that we don't need to stone anybody. And my question is in Deuteronomy seventeen seven, it says you should not put to death anyone. Uh, uh, on the evidence of one witness. I think Joel is like, yeah, okay, great. There's got to be two or three witnesses. Joel is still like, yes. But then it says, the hands of the witnesses shall be first against the perp. And my question is, how in the world are you going to do that unless you, unless you have stoning? What, I mean, it, what, am I gonna, if I have a gun, what, one witness is going to shoot him in the arm, the other witness is going to shoot him in the arm, and the third witness is going to shoot him in the leg, and everyone else just takes out the guns and shoots him? I mean, how how can the people be involved in the execution? I, I, I don't believe, um, I don't know it, it, I, I don't know your thoughts on this one, guys, but I, I don't believe in, this, in the state carting people away so that the state can execute them. I, I believe the hands of justice belong to the citizens from beginning to end. And it says the people will stone him. There is no designated executioner in the Bible. That you know, you can't wear the mask and chop someone's head off. Um, Joel McDermott even even says here. He says there there are many forms of punishment. There's burning, which which is true. And, and I, I, like in Viticus, it says that I think it's a man who sleeps with his daughter-in-law or something like that. I, I can't remember which one, but it says you shall burn them. But then he says there's hanging, and I'm like, what? what there's there's not hanging. When has hanging ever been prescribed? In, in in the law, I, 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 the best the, I can do is curse it to be the one who's, yeah. who's hung, on, hung a on a tree. But it also but says that, that proscriptive anyway. Right. It also says that um, it it you you shouldn't let him hang for more than a day. Don't let him hang overnight. Right. And 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 if that's what Joel's talking about, even Matthew Henry is like the 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 punishment of hanging to the Jews was or the Hebrews was like foreign. They didn't hang anybody. So I don't know where Joel's getting that idea that they, they were hanging people, uh, unless he goes to Esther. Um, and and the uh, my thing is with stoning, I, I, I believe in stoning because um, the judicial authority prescribes it, but the state doesn't carry it out. It's the, the witnesses first, it's the accusers, and then it's the people. And, and, and this makes it a community thing. It makes it a public thing, and it makes it a community thing. No one can be carted away to a back room and, and just... You know, I, 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 that's why I believe in stoning is the best way to do the carry this about because it's public and it's a, it's a community thing and it's not, it's not done by the state. It's, it's overseen by the state, but the state's not the one doing it. Yeah. This is a, a critical point. It seems like punishments for crimes under Moses and throughout the scriptures actually by godly people have always been extremely public not private. Mm -hmm. uh, that's another status thing where we just kind of drag them off and we uh, kill them. Um, Solzhenitsyn talks about that in the, in the Soviet Union. Um, the, the executions were constantly private, some cold cellar someplace, and no one ever knew what happened and so forth. Mm -hmm. That really contrasts sharply with the uh, punishments. In the, you, know, you talk about stoning, for example, mm -hmm. and how barbaric and so forth. One thing it did do... It would. It made it extremely public, mm -hmm. and the and to your point, the person who had been offended, or the witness, or the victim, those who were close to the victim, were able to participate in the punishment. Now, I, I want to ask this question. Um, I want to make just let me yeah. interject a point. Yeah, is that the the executions, although they were by hanging, 
typically here in America, mm-hmm. up until about 1900, were very public. Right. Uh, there are pictures of here in, from here in Berks County mm-hmm. of people standing around watching the hanging yes. of a you know of a criminal. Mm-hmm. It was people would picnic. It was an event, uh, and and so it was very public. And the it's very interesting to take a look at the timing of when that public nature of that stopped, and when did the char- the church abdicate its responsibility? That you know the the church began its demise uh, into irrelevance about the same time as those things were being taken over by the state. So it, it's it's an interesting an interesting timing. If, if nothing else, about the, the public nature of, of execution. Although the, the people didn't have their hand in it. There was a guy who pulled the lever right, right. Yes. Uh, on, on, the, uh, on the platform. The, the state was in charge of the execution, but people, in a sense, participated by being there. By being there, right, and, and seeing the whole thing. Yes. I, I still think that's half the battle. You know, uh, It's one thing to watch. It's another thing to participate. And, and and you know actually engage in the in the in the execution of somebody and and how was the hand of the witnesses first against them mm-hmm. you know in hanging you can't do that you can't what am I hang you for 10 seconds and then take you off and then you know the rest of us are gonna hang you I mean that doesn't make sense I, I don't believe in hanging uh, as effective as it is to kill somebody I do not believe that it is a just way to put to death uh, somebody who should be killed by stoning the law is good if it's used lawfully, and when it prescribes stoning, and, and it says the hand of the witnesses shall be first against them, I don't see any other way besides actually stoning somebody, unless you're in, you know, injecting them with some sort of poison, and you know, the more people who inject them with poison, the, the, you know, the more he dies. You know, that, it, it still, that's to me, is, is silly. Yeah, we've got a, a, a situation now where we are calling God's uh, methods... Um, Oppressive, mm-hmm. and man's methods merciful, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take the Deuteronomy 32 passage of the rebellious son, where this you know where the parents uh, bring the son down to the elders. They put him on trial. They say he's a drunkard and a glutton. Mm-hmm. And um, if it, that's found to be found to be the case, he's stoned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we look at that, and I've had conversations with Christians saying, "Isn't that terrible? That's 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 just awful." Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 really bad. What what God did there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's our solution? I think I know our solution. Let's drag them off the juvenile court at a cost of lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm. Put them in a juvenile juvenile de- detention center where he'll learn to be a more accomplished criminal. Right, and he will get out of juvenile detention center. Mm-hmm. Okay, he'll come out, and who knows how? Be, before he gets finally caught and charged. How many rapes? Right. How many thefts? Right. Maybe a murder or two. I mean, mm-hmm. d- come on! Don't tell me that every murder gets caught. Right. There's plenty that don't don't even get caught. I mean, how nowadays we're used to hearing about oh yeah yeah the, the authorities found you know somebody's body just washed up. I mean, we're, right. we're, we're, now it's like we, we we can't even keep track anymore. Yeah. Okay. Cold, cold case files. Sure. Now, okay. Now we're going to put him back in jail at a, at a cost of lots and lots of money, where he's going to be. Be, become an even greater criminal. By the time he's done, he killed maybe two, three people, ruined the lives of scores more, and all because we have decided that God's law is unjust. Right. 
but 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 ours is just right and 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 i i fear that these are the people we sort of cower before mm-hmm. we cower before those people that right. that call god's laws unjust and man's laws just when, right. when the when the contrast is just so obvious it's 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 like as big as the sky for pete's sake mm-hmm. and so i'm 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 always concerned when I see someone, in this case, Joel's, you know, get get, get squishy on this. What's to get squishy about? Mm -hmm. It's justice, I thought. As we were discussing earlier uh, from the uh, Massachusetts General Laws, uh, here is, here's what they said about blasphemy, because we we talked earlier about if someone slips out or something. Here's what it says. Whoever willfully blasphemes the holy name of God by denying, cursing, or contumulously reproaching God, his creation, government, or final judging of the world, or by cursing or or contumously, uh, having trouble with that word there, um, means contumously, I suppose, uh, reproaching Jesus Christ or the Holy Ghost, or by cursing or contumely, same word, reproaching or exposing to contempt and ridicule the holy word of God contained in the holy scriptures shall be punished by imprisonment in jail for not more than one year or by fine of not more than $300, and may also be bound to uh, good behavior, so mm-hmm. they have not that um, they have not uh, prescribed the penalty, mm-hmm. but they have prescribed, shall we say, the offense. The offense, right? And 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 how and how that offense is and, and what actually constitutes that that offense. And when was that? When was that instituted? Uh, that would have been 1697. Wow, <laughs> wow, that that's an amazing. That's an amazing and thing. So my question is, was everybody, as soon as that law was passed, everybody was like getting out of Massachusetts right. and headed back to Mary, England. Yeah, right. Where where you could, where they had capital offenses for things like wearing a mask near a public road. Or for pickpocketing, hmm. for example. Wow. I, I did not know that was a capital offense. It was indeed. Because, you know, the highwaymen would wear masks. Right. You know, That's when, right. when they robbed you. And so if you were found, if you were found wearing a mask near a public road... You could be executed for that. Mm-hmm. I, I I think um, one thing that Joel does in here is he rips prison pretty good, and, and I'm happy he, about he that. He does a good job, I think, in that, in that chapter. Yeah, Great he, job, actually. He, he rips prison, and I think a lot of Christians need to hear that, what he has to say about the prison system. How and I, You know, my, my thoughts on the book <clears throat> is I, I feel like Joel ha- didn't take into account Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.8, he didn't take into account Romans 1, those who practice such things deserve to die. And maybe he did, and, and I, I just missed it. Um, and, 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 he, and I feel like he didn't take into account the, the mercy of the wicked is cruel. You know, it, when, when we say, okay, we're going to punish this, but not God's way, then, then, then we have man's way, and that's, that's the way of the wicked. You know, there is no good way to punish these sins um, outside what God has prescribed. You know, I... I Am I wrong? No. I, my my general view on the book is that if he'd left out chapter 3 and hadn't picked a fight with Covenanters, it would be a fine little primer on theonomy. Mm. Uh, and there would be no controversy. We wouldn't be having this podcast. Mm. Yeah, so so kind of give him credit for uh, generating this podcast. And again, uh, <laughs> thank you, Joel. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, no, it's you know, what what an insight there. Uh, <clears throat> here's here's the thing. I, I I can't not give him credit if I can say it that mm-hmm. way for wading into this area. Mm-hmm. Being praise indeed that 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 people um, the, the the people just don't want to jump into. Mm-hmm. I give I just give him credit for that. Here is here is my it, it, my issue with it. If I can just kind of like 
encapsulate it this way. Um, on, on page 60, he identifies those uh, stonable offenses. And then what happens then on page 90, if you will, let me go over there real quickly in the book, page 90, he references Jesus's um, upholding of those who curse their parents in, in Matthew 15, 4, of, of deserving to die. Mm -hmm. Now, how? I mean, I, 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 see, I, I just don't see how on the one hand you can kind of be a kinder, gentler theonomist mm -hmm. by saying, hey, we won't punish by stoning for these offenses. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, support Christ's statement right. about cursing your parents. I mean, think about and, it. And that's a first table offense, according to Joel. I, according to Joel, it is his first table it's offense. It's first table offense. And he said, right. we can't because punish for first table your father offenses. father and mother, right. he has in the first table, and right. we can't punish for that. Right. But then he supports what Christ said, as he has to in Matthew. Mm -hmm. So I don't see how yeah. Matthew 15... I just don't see quite how you can do that. And here's, here's the elephant in the room, Luke and John. If you're going to support Christ for supporting the death penalty for cursing father and mother, wait a minute, we're going to support the death penalty for cursing father and mother, but not the death penalty for cursing God and Christ? Right. I, I, sure. I think you have a real challenge there. Yeah. Uh, and that's a that's a good observation. I, I now that in, in that chapter of what it would look like, um, I, I feel like, and, and and again, I wish I wish Joel was here because I I don't want to misrepresent him here, but I, I feel like there's like still like a lot of statism in in this chapter, uh, where, where it says in uh, page ninety. Uh, you know, in the family authority, it says on this principle, incorrigible criminals can earn the death penalty as well, and others lose their right to vote. Do we have voting in a theonomic society? What, what are we voting on? Like a new law? Like a, a, a new principle? What, where does voting come into play in a theonomic society unless you're voting for like a judge? You know, I, I, that's my question. What, what are we voting on? Well, I would say there was voting, uh, certainly under, under Moses. Um, you know, choose among you. But it was... The difference is it was extremely local. Um, the, the way I see it is that under under God's principles, you, you chose people, but you chose people who were close enough for you to know them. Our system here is pretty much the opposite. The most important voting we feel we do is for the people that are the furthest away from us mm -hmm. and where we have the least, the least effect. So, I mean, I, I do see the idea of choosing in, in the scriptures uh, for in a very in a very local context, mm -hmm. the the thing the thing that I, I, I want to emphasize about that though is that we we have to go to the scriptures to find out what we can vote on and what we cannot vote on, what must never be, and everybody agrees on that. I mean that's why we have a constitution, right? Right. A, a constitution is there to say there are certain things that we're not going to vote on. Mm -hmm. And so these judges make rulings based on what the Constitution says, no matter what um, uh, you know, a voting initiative has been set before the people. Mm -hmm. And so as Christians, I think all we're doing is saying, hey, the Bible tells us what we can vote on and what we can never vote on. That's where I see, where I see the difference. Mm -hmm. And Luke, in a theonomic society, we would be highly decentralized. Mm-hmm. And... To Joel's point, your dad's point, that we feel that our elections are most important at the national level. Mm -hmm. It's because government has become so centralized. And it's the centralized government laws that affect us day to day, mm -hmm. as opposed to local laws that affect us day to day. It, that's why we feel 
that way. In a theonomic uh, government, civil government, your point is correct. We would mostly be voting for judges, and that would be the big deal. It's not that there might not be legislators uh, or legislatures uh, or borough councils or such things, but uh, you know they're they're very local, mm-hmm. and you would be very involved in in the Massachusetts case that you cited from 1697, Joel. Uh, those people didn't run out of Massachusetts because the people were very involved, and there was that law was passed in response to um, the people's initiative, not because of some mm-hmm. crusader right. who who managed to get lobbyists right. infiltrate, to yeah. infiltrate the yeah. the legislature. That was a that was a grassroots initiative. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a great observation. By, so, by the way, I said Deuteronomy 32 before. That's actually Deuteronomy 21. Deuteronomy 21. That uh, deals with the, um, the, the, the rebellious son. So there it is, our discussion on the, uh, the Karen principle um, that Joel McDermott brings up in his book, The Bounds of Love. Um, closing thoughts on it, Dad. Yeah. Um, from page 138 in The Bounds of Love, this is Joel McDermott talking here. What we need now is a renewed conversation of biblical law and its modern applications among those of us who are open to disagreements and discussion, yet see the abiding validity of some mosaic principles as obligatory for modern governments. From there, we can provide a platform for pulpits to teach and for Christians to engage in godly social reform, criminal justice reform, etc. We need to re-engage the discussion and to do so on the basis of what we have learned so far about the army. Mm-hmm. I could not agree with that statement anymore. And, and, and I, I want to use this time, uh, this moment, to direct my thoughts at those who will not engage with theonomists because they say, well, you can't answer. Listen, you guys talking about blasphemy laws, and that's, you know, that, that, you, you theonomists disagree with that. Okay. Uh, but how about the things that are obvious that cannot be argued with, can we embrace those? Mm-hmm. How about death for murder? Right. For, how, how about that? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you want to throw out theonomy, then let, let's, let's then open the doors to the Canaanites and the pagans who don't want to execute the murder. They want to exalt the murderer. Mm-hmm. Now somebody's going to say, oh no, Joel, no society does that. Not true at all. Mm-hmm. Read, read Solzhenitsyn and the Gulag Archipelago, the Soviet Union. What they did, they, they executed for blasphemy. That's about the only thing they executed for. And this, and this is how it worked. If you were Christian caught with a, you know, uh, with a Bible or you were um, in some of these house churches, um, Solzhenitsyn talks about the, you got a tenor or a quarter. Um, a tenor was 10 years in, in the Gulag. A quarter was 25 years, and you were pretty much guaranteed to, to die there. And so in order, and sometimes they did put them in, in, in jail, G-A-O-L, I don't even know how to pronounce that, G-A-O-L or jail. Or jail. Jail. Um, the way they the way they they spell that, and what they would do is they would take the common criminals and put them together with the Christians, and so they they actually utilized common cr- criminals, thieves, murderers, rapists, to punish the Christians. Mm. That's what they did. So let's not let's not have this happy talk about. Oh, everybody agrees that you know that uh, murderers should be executed. No, uh, under the Soviet Union. 
They took murderers and they used them to punish Christians. Mm -hmm. So stop already and get back to the Bible because any other solution you have is going to be a complete disaster as, we sh as, as what should be obvious in our, in our culture today. 60 million dead babies later and counting. John, your thoughts on, uh, on, on the book? On the book. A great service to bring it up. That un unqualified uh, endorsement of everybody should read this book and wrestle with it. Um, Couldn't agree more. I, I, it, it, it's, a, it's a great thing. I think that the, the problems in the book end up being ultimately what, what I talked about at the beginning, where you're, you're kind of pulling the civil government out of the, the four major governments that we always talk about mm -hmm. in theonomy yeah. uh, because you're not allowing them <laughs> to exercise their responsibilities that God's going to hold those civil magistrates responsible for. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a sense in which, and, and uh, in no way do I believe Joel McDermott is dispensationalist, mm -hmm. but by, by pitting the old covenant against the new covenant, it lends to dispensational arguments. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's a huge red flag for me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, just, it just is. And so there you have it. Uh, I'm glad he did it. I'm unhappy with some of the things that, that he's said in here. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that there should be an ongoing discussion. You can find the uh, book, The Bounds of Love by Joel McDermott on American Vision. Is that .org or is that .com? AmericanVision.org. AmericanVision.org. Uh, there it is, my friends. Thanks for listening. Be strong and courageous. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit ReconstructionistRadio.com and ThinkAndReform.org. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.